When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on invasive pregnancy questions, unclear invitations, house guests who don't want to leave, and coronavirus handshake woes. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about carefully critiquing how your barista made your coffee. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on social distancing etiquette. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of, well, our offices now, and is proud to be produced in Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. It's, it's nice to get to see you. Likewise, this Zoom meeting that we're using to see each other while we record this show is sort of remarkably personal in some ways. It really is. I have missed your face. <laughs> and I, I missed Chris's face, too. So when we got to Zoom with him earlier uh, before he had to go, it was really nice to see him as well. But this is definitely awesome etiquette in the age of Corona. We are respecting social distancing and uh, our mics might sound a little bit different because we are, for the time being, on our cell phones. But we're, we're going to be upgrading and changing that as soon as we can. But we're making it work, and honestly, I'm really grateful that we have a podcast audience who wants to keep listening and and wants to keep talking about etiquette, even though things feel a little different right now. Well, in some ways, it's really good practice. We are definitely dealing with a lot right now, individually, collectively, and that's you and me and our families, but also everybody. And in some ways, there's things about that that are... Um, sort of reassuring we're all in this together and at the same time there are things that are really unnerving and unsettling and these little moments of normalcy but I want to think of it as informed normalcy I think are important I think so too talk to me about how you're doing you've got a little family I'm I'm one person in a house I kind of know what's going on with my my house (laughs) I'll confess there are being the eternal optimist, I'll start with the positives. Um, things that I'm really enjoying. I'm spending a lot of time with my daughters, and <laughs> yeah. and it feels good. I love that time. I, I'm spending whole days with them. Pooja's still working a couple days a week. She's teleworking, and that means that I've got the girls Mondays and Tuesdays, and it's delightful. It's also, there's an underlying anxiety to everything that's going on right now. So it's it's hard to just really fall into that and enjoy it. But there, there are definitely aspects of, of what we're going through that 
that are okay. And the family life, the home life is definitely one of those for me. That's awesome. And That's really, really awesome. I know you've got a lot going on. Also, any updates? I do. I uh, I became the very proud aunt of a, of a niece, uh, Delphine. Yes, my sister Anna and Matt and, and Jasper had Delphine Lamborn Post, born on the 11th. And she is beautiful and sweet. And she and mom are healthy and home. But they have been instructed not to see anyone pretty much. And they do have my parents getting to help them. But until I've spent enough time in no contact with other people outside the five of my family members that I'm hoping, six of my family members that I'm hoping to get to go see and help out with, I really can't see them. And so I'm in a zone where I kind of have to wait until a few of my outside interactions are done happening. And then I have to wait a number of days and then I can start both getting to interact with my family again and also um, get to help out with them because I'm, I'm fine. I'm so far I've been healthy and, and everything, but it's my exposure to other people that could cause the problem. And so, um, so I'm just doing as much as I can right now. I think Saturday is my last commitment to the outside world. And then I kind of go under for a while so that I can then be helpful and be a part of things. Um, and I'm trying really hard to respect that. It's been different and it's been interesting seeing everybody trying to embrace this or at what stage they are of embracing this. And I think that the more that we can all do our best to wash our hands, to cough into our sleeves, to not touch each other and to maintain that six foot distance, that literal distance, I think the better off we're going to be. And I, I just want to encourage people to know that that doesn't mean that you are shunning people, that you are being rude to them, that there are lots of ways with friendly faces and bright tones that we can convey to people that we are really happy to be in a community. We just want to be really respectful and careful with how we interact within that community right now. Yeah. Things are moving so quickly. I feel like I'm watching the news each day and there are new things that are happening and the, the, the understanding of the situation changes as the situation itself changes. And I'm really reminding myself to stay flexible, to stay willing to change and adapt as things yeah. change and evolve. The advice you just gave is excellent, is very good advice. And we might be at a place where we're taking even stronger measures a few days from now, even by the time this podcast lands. And in some ways, I'm trying to stay really conscious and engaged with the specifics of what's happening in the moment, but also staying willing to change and adapt, but then also thinking about what are the good tools for both staying present and committed, but also adaptable. So thinking yeah. about some of the big picture things like just how, how we take care of each other, how we set higher goals and priorities for ourselves of compassion, understanding, um, courage, commitment, mm -hmm. and, and that these are really, I'm, I'm hoping, the attributes that'll serve us well now and in the future. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. There's a mantra in my head that I've been really trying to have become a drumbeat, and that is, I can and I will. Like, I can get through this and I will. <laughs> I can help and I will. I can do my part and I will. I can, you're going to love these next three cause, be considerate and I will. I can 
be respectful, and I will. And I can be honest, and I will. And I want to see my niece more than anything. I want to help out and go for a walk with my nephew more than anything. The way that I can help and the way that I will help my family right now is by not doing those things until I've had enough time where we know it's safe. That's my, I, I can and I will. So tell me some of your, if you're in the I can and I will crowd, if you're going to sign up and join me, what's, what's some of your I can and I wills? Oh boy, the, the pressure. Um, <laughs> I, I can and I will. I can take care of the people around me and I will. I can remember the things that really matter to me, even in times of stress and anxiety, and I will. I can be loving, and I will. And to me, those are the those are the best ones I can because you already nabbed C, R, and H. But <laughs> you see me tearing up, and I don't mean to, but it's because Dan and I had a really emotional conversation yesterday where we had tapped into to some of that part of it, and it's been uh, in our family and in our in our small world that we've all come down to right now. Um, there are concerns and there are things that people are worried about. And we've started to see some of the emotions come out. And I really love your, I can take care of the people around me and I will. And I really feel like you're doing that. And I feel like in our relationship, in our running of Emily Post Institute, we are doing that for each other. I've noticed how, how we lean on each other for support in this time has been really interesting. And I want to look at it as really encouraging we are in positions of privilege where there are certain things that we aren't having to worry about now that other people are having to worry about. It's been really great to recognize that and to recognize where we can help and where we can extend our help to too. But I'm really grateful to be in a place where I can think about things like, okay, we can take a minute and have an emotional moment about this and and talk about the stress of it or some of the long-term worries or some of the short-term worries and also know that that can be an expression and then we can get back to dealing with the things in the moment. Like the show and my favorite line that has come out of the world of coronavirus since we've been dealing with it, which is, excuse me, Dada, but Aria is in the dishwasher. I'm like, you've told me this delightful moment of working from home, which so many of us are doing now, and having a, a one-year-old, or not even a one-year-old, how old is Aria now? Seven months? Eight months? Nine months to the day, yesterday, yesterday. or whatever, yeah. And that we're all going to be hearing dogs bark and kids say things, but can you tell the story of what happened yesterday on that phone call that so brought home life and work life together? I, I, I had taken a work call. I was in the kitchen with both the girls. And, and while I was talking, I was looking out the window at the bird feeder. And we just have a riot of birds right now at our feeders. And, and as I'm talking to someone in, in California about etiquette classes, my three-year-old saying, excuse me, Dada, excuse me, Dada, excuse me, Dada. And I, I try to reward that particular interruption say because it has an excuse me on it it's got the magic words exactly so i say you know pardon me just a second i'm my three-year-old's wanting my attention she's asking the right way i really want to reward her oh anisha what's going on dada ari is in the dishwasher and so i like turn the rest of the way around and the nine-month-old is the door was open and she'd crawled up 
onto the open door and was like making her way into. I didn't know she was capable of that exactly yet, and I, I hope I'm not just like confessing to terrible parenting right now to a, don't think a, a so. big audience. But I, I was like, Anisha, did you put her up there? She swears no, and I kind of believe her. Like, I because yeah. Ari is doing the cruising thing now, where she like walks her her hands up things and stands and moves, and she's she's a lot more active than she was even a month ago. So uh, she surprised me. She's a climber. I have a friend who told me, look out, babies that are climbers turn into. Um, uh, a certain a certain kind of personality later in life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. A little bit like you, because I was looking forward to this intro, and you and I sort of to peel back the curtain a little bit. Oftentimes, don't talk much before the show about what we're going to say in the intro. Right. It yeah. It feels spontaneous to me often because it is spontaneous, and I was really. I'm um, looking forward to this particular show because it is a charged moment. And I, I just wanted to pause a minute and look back and thank you for the I can and I will. I, I like that oh, mantra. Thanks. I think it's um, it's it, 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 it's a useful tool, and I'm looking for useful tools right now. So thank you for that. Good. I'm glad. It's it's helping this brain right now. So <laughs> it's, I'm I'm very yeah. No, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's useful. I hope it's useful to some folks out there. Where where else do you want this conversation to go other than towards some questions? What do you think? Anything else in the world of Corona that we want to touch on before we jump to the rest of the show? I think there's going to be plenty of time for that. And okay. I want our audience to know that we're going to be here as best we can. And we continue to lean on all of you. We say it on the show often, and it's as true now as it ever was. And it's going to continue to be true and important. There would be no show without you. So please do let us know how it's going for you. Send in your questions, your comments, your feedback, and um, we'll do our best to, to be here and we'll all get through this together. We will. We absolutely will. And for now, shall we get to some etiquette questions? I think we should. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions, and you can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Pregnant and Polite. Hello, I am pregnant and the inappropriate comments and questions have begun to roll in. I've gotten comments on how round and full I look. Unwanted advice and judgment on everything from finding out the baby's gender to the type of birth plan I have. I have also gotten the dreaded stomach touch from a stranger. Do you have any advice for responding to unwanted and rude comments? What about questions I don't feel comfortable answering? Thank you. Sincerely, Anonymous. I think that this is one of those times where it is so frustrating to feel like you need to stand up for these personal boundaries because you just wish people knew better. I mean, why are you reaching out to touch another human being that you don't know when they're carrying another human being inside them? It just doesn't. It doesn't jive with today's, I think, modern woman. I think that modern women don't enjoy being touched. I think there's a a lot of enjoyment of people loving the fact that they're pregnant, but that stops when the hands start reaching out. And I think that it's really important for you to feel comfortable saying to someone, I'm sorry, I really would rather not be touched right now when they go in for that reach. Because you're dealing with a small amount of distance, even during the current circumstances, and someone's arm can very quickly get close enough to you that you do need that speed in order to do that. And unfortunately, with that speed, it's very hard to not convey some kind of urgency in your voice. So trying to get someone to be calm, cool, and collected while someone else is like reaching out at them in a short amount of distance, it's a lot to ask someone to be perfectly polite in that moment. I give pregnant women a huge pass on when they don't want the bump touched, putting up that boundary and putting it up in a way that they feel comfortable with. It's funny. I almost feel like we could have two answers to every question, the normal answer and the in the time of coronavirus answer, because... If you really are social distancing, there will be that space right now. And no one's going to try to touch you. But it doesn't always happen that way. In reality, it really doesn't. And just like it's okay to set those physical boundaries, and, and it's not just okay, it's important that you let people know what is and isn't okay, that it's also okay to set those boundaries in terms of the conversations that you're willing to have. It is absolutely perfectly okay to redirect with care. You don't call someone out for asking the, the the best case version of a reply goes something like, you know, I really don't want to get into that, but it's so good to see you. I love to hear. I, I, how are you doing? Or I'd love to hear I, about X, Y or Z. Yes, I love that as a redirect 
for how to handle the the questions about the birth plan or the baby's gender or things like that. Dan, awesome sample script, cuz. Oh, yeah, no, I'm giving you mad props, man. I know this usually goes the other way, but, like, it's – I honestly, I love that. I just don't want to get into all that, but it's so good to see you. Awesome. There's another piece of very traditional etiquette advice that comes into play here, and it's not going to be so helpful when you're on the receiving end, but it can help all of us avoid being someone who ends up causing this kind of discomfort – The comments about how round or full you look could be avoided completely if someone didn't comment on your appearance. And obviously, pregnancy is a different time. That doesn't mean different rules apply. It's not like all of a sudden it's okay to comment on someone's appearance. You have to take a lot of care when you're going to talk about how someone looks. It's much better to talk about what they do or a quality that they have than their appearance. I think one of the one of the only ways that you can get away with it in the world of commenting positively towards pregnant women is you look radiant or, you know, like it's like, wow, like, yay right now. <laughs> like you look great carrying this baby. Like if that's the only thing and that's only when people are far along, <laughs> like you can really tell. But the truth is you don't always know. And people get into such trouble with this. And so uh, for me personally, I try and limit the compliments I give to people who I really know and have welcomed me into their kind of pregnancy journey with them. So like my sister, you know, your wife, um, the people who I really talk with in more detail about the pregnancy, those are the people that, that I'll say, I'll ask questions first. I'll be like, oh, does the baby, do you feel like the bump is really growing? You know, is it really a lot bigger? And I'm always fascinated to hear what pregnant women say back. Uh, No, you know, I don't feel bigger, but people tell me I look bigger right now. Or, wow, I feel huge. Thank you for telling me I don't look gigantic, you know. And and there's all kinds of things about whether people want to be looking big, don't want to be looking big. There's no way to tell what a compliment would be in this zone a lot of the times. And that's why we say don't go for trying to talk about appearance. Don't try to make a compliment unless you're 100% sure it's going to land as a compliment for someone. Anonymous, congratulations on the pregnancy. Good luck as you navigate the rest of it. And we hope our answer helps at least with those unwanted comments and touches. Yeah, and if you don't understand a rule, find out why the rule was made. If you really know why, then it will probably make sense. Our next question is titled, Am I Invited? Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I have an etiquette question I'm hoping you can help me with. A cousin of mine is getting married. A save the date was sent to my parents' house addressed to the ex-family. I assume invitations will be addressed the same way. The problem is that I no longer live with my parents, and it wasn't obvious to me that I was invited. I do have siblings still living with our parents who are more obviously included. The communication in the extended family indicates the couple have included everyone, so I am fairly sure that I am invited. My mother has also indicated that I am invited, and she has been in touch with the cousin's mother. Given the way things were addressed, should my parents RSVP for me, even though I am an adult and no longer live with them? Am I wrong in thinking that I should have received my own invitation? Should I do more to confirm whether I am invited? 
That seems like overkill, but I also don't want to impose. This situation also raised a question about gifts. My understanding is that the invited guests are expected to give a gift. How would that work with a group invitation like this? It seems like a group gift from the immediate family makes sense since that's how the invitation was done, but I also don't want to be stingy. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Best regards, confused guest? Question mark. Oh, confused this is a great guest. Question. <laughs> Don't be confused. This is actually a, a, a not uncommon etiquette problem, and there's a, a pretty clear etiquette answer. And I think we can start with with the simple things. Yes, you are invited. It is great that your mother was able to get that confirmation, and that's absolutely. For me, the intuitive, obvious first choice for getting that confirmation that she was able to, as the one who received that invitation, reach out to somebody connected with the issuing of it and get some clarification. I have some of my children living with me, some don't. Is Are they all? Yes, absolutely. Hoorah. And you're right. It would be overkill to continue to pursue this situation beyond that. And and the reason yeah. it would be overkill, Liz, Lizzie's smiling at me in the Zoom space. I'm so proud of myself answering an etiquette question that has all about weddings and invitations <laughs> is that there is an etiquette gaffe here and that, yes, you probably should have received your own invitation. That would have been best practice because you live alone, you have your own address, and it's precisely to avoid this kind of confusion that you would do that as someone hosting a wedding or issuing an invitation. It might start to tiptoe over the line of calling them out on that gaffe if you continue to bring it up. And I think so. A- avoiding that is, is sort of good taste on your part. Totally. You've checked so many boxes in the category of checking whether to make sure that you're invited. You are 100% in the clear. But I think that the question of gifts that comes up next is a really good one. And I think in this case that a group gift is absolutely fine. I think if you wanted to, you could give an individual gift or you might give an individual card to express your your uh, a- additional congratulations and support, you know, especially if you're closer with that cousin or something like that. But I think mostly you just as a family get the gift and as a family give the card. So sign that card. I mean, it's I think we're pretty much in agreement on this one, yeah? I I would say yes. I definitely yeah. think that if you're going to participate in that group gift, you want to be sure that you sign off on the card so yeah. that they've got that information on the receiving end of things and know how to thank appropriately and properly. But like my cousin Lizzie, I would say if you feel so inspired, if the spirit of generosity is overtaking <laughs> you and you want to do your own gift, there's nothing wrong with that either. Do you think it is weird or strange, unusual, pick your word at all to have like three members of a family on a group gift and one member on an individual gift, even though the invitation goes to everybody? Like, does it, is it, is it strange or is it just like, oh, well, that's nice. Two gifts then. I know that for my family, like I always jump on the group gift. If the family decides to do a gift from the family, I jump on that. And if I want to do something a little extra on my own, I do that. But I tend to join that family card kind of no matter what. (laughs) Personally. This is how I'll answer that question. I'll say nothing strange about it, but maybe figure out a way to get a return address on your card in some way so that it makes it easy for them to send you the thank you note 
because to your own house <laughs> there's a good chance they don't have that address or at least that's what i would guess based on the way the invitation was issued i think so too Confused guest, we hope that this eliminates some of the confusion and lets you go to this wedding and have a wonderful time. Mother, why do you suppose Mary didn't invite me to her party? Are you sure you didn't get an invitation? Maybe they thought I wouldn't want to go to a party. They probably thought I wouldn't know how to act. You'll get an invitation to the party. There's just been some mix-up. Wait and see. Our next question is about a humorous house guest who's maybe not so humorous. Oh, hello. I have recently reconnected with a family member who lives out of town. For holidays, she has stayed with me and my family. I love having her, and she is a considerate guest. The problem is my husband and I both work and have young children, a.k.a. our life is hectic. When my relative comes, her departure date is never communicated, and she always says... I'm leaving when you kick me out. <laughs> After three or four days, it's not funny anymore, and my kids need to get back to their routine. At this point, I don't even know what I'm asking. Do I suck it up and enjoy her company, or is there a polite way to nail down an end date to her visit? Sincerely, just trying to be a good host. Oh, just trying to be a good host. This is a problem a lot of people experience, especially with close family members or very close friends who come to visit is they think they're close enough that they don't have to set dates. And that's where you as a host get to set that wonderful boundary and be that wonderful guiding, guiding light, guiding person and say, oh, we would love to have you come stay. We'd be able to have you stay with us from the 13th to the 15th or the 13th to the 17th, whatever it is. But, you know, after that, unfortunately, we have to, our house isn't going to be open to visitors. You don't have to say we're going out of town. You don't have to make up some kind of reason like someone else is staying. It's just, we're just not open. We got to get back to routine and everything at that point. And then if she makes a joke, you can say, well, this is me doing that kicking you out on the 15th thing. And then say, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, if she's saying, this is how I can play with this idea that's kind of a quasi-socially uncomfortable idea, maybe play with her in that space if you can do it well. I don't think my example was a very good example. I wouldn't use my same tone with it, but I think you can match the tone that she has, but in a, in a way that says, I'm participating, not I'm making fun of you, you know? Absolutely. And that, that good humor, well applied, is a really effective social tool. I like how you said there's no need to make up a reason. And this is one of those places where I think there's the art to good etiquette. I, I like the idea of giving a reason. It, it'll help someone understand. But the reason that you could give is that's about how long we can step out of our usual routine. That can be enough. It doesn't have to be a special reason like, oh, there's a big event that day mm -hmm. or something. But sort of acknowledging that that, yeah, no, this isn't just coming from nowhere, or, or it's not a personal thing. It's not, oh, we don't like you. We want you to go away. It has to do with us and how we manage our lives. And that, that can be enough of a reason, in quotes, if, if you're able to articulate that in a way that makes sense to you. And I love that idea of giving concrete dates, saying, oh, from the this to the this really works for mm -hmm. us. And that, that's part of the, the, the framing of the whole conversation that sets you up well. 
That is like our most classic houseguesting advice is no matter who, no matter how close, no matter what the visit, set those start and end dates and make them really clear. Of course, you cannot answer an etiquette question about how long houseguests stay without reminding everyone about the classic (laughs) saying. (laughs) Give it to us. Fish and houseguests both start to smell after three days. And there you have it. Just trying to be a good host. We hope that your fish and your house guests smell wonderful when they visit. Stay fresh. <laughs> Either way, we hope that this advice helps and that you can get back to your routine with your kiddos. Practice the skills of a good guest. Leave on time and courteously, too. Thanking your host sincerely for the good time you've had. Our next question is titled, Courteous, but there's coronavirus. Hi, you two. Do you have any comments on all the pieces I see out there for alternatives to handshakes in this day of coronavirus? There are some pretty creative alternatives, but they still are not a handshake. Cindy. Cindy, thank you for the question. This is such a clear illustration of what a moving target etiquette is. And As you say, in this day of coronavirus, that target is moving really rapidly. So it's up to all of us to kind of keep up as best we can. A week ago, I would have given very different advice about this. The set of options and alternatives for a good greeting included things like touching elbows or even toes. But a week later, that is really probably closer than you want to get to somebody if you don't have to. And there are some other really good options, ways to acknowledge someone physically when you meet that don't require touching or getting that close to someone. One has, yeah, one's been around forever. (laughs) And Lizzie reminds me through the zoom with a little wave that just waving to someone is a great way to acknowledge them you can show a lot. You can have a kind of timid, shy wave, a really excited wave. You can you can communicate a great deal with that gesture. I, Lizzie's going through a whole series of emotions, a questioning <laughs> awkward, a self-depreciating. Uh, so, again, and a lot of that's with the face as well as the, the gesture. Other options. Some people really like something that's like prayer hands with your uh, fingers together, palms touching in front of your chest. There can be a little bow that goes along with that or not. Um, If you're familiar with greeting someone and saying namaste, that's oftentimes the gesture that accompanies that particular greeting or parting. There's a a gesture that comes that comes from, I don't know exactly if that's true, but I first became familiar with it in the Muslim world where people of different genders aren't going to shake hands. It's very common to place your hand over your heart and acknowledge the other person with a, a nod of the head. And I started using... I think using, this is my favorite. <laughs> it's been my choice too. I think it's... I really like that. I think that it, it just it gets right at the heart of it, quite literally. It's like... Greeting you, seeing you, it's, it's, I feel it here. And the little bow that goes with that, I think, makes a wonderful gesture of that towards someone. I just, I th- it's my new favorite greeting. It's, it's almost like an invisible hug. It's almost like you're hugging yes. like, like the essence of someone. It, 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 it includes your, your body and your, your hand, your face. I think it's um, a really nice option. So 
Cindy, thank you for the question. I hope we've given you a few um, alternatives, a few things to choose from, and definitely keep your antenna out and let us know if you come up with anything else. Anytime you pick up a wrench, reach for a control, use a grease gun, grab a welding torch, or work on any machine while forgetting safety, you're shaking hands with danger. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today's feedback comes from Sam and Stephanie. And it's about episode 287 where we talked about a coworker who had a jaw that clicked when she ate. Hello, I am with Lizzie that there is no polite way to bring up a coworker's jaw clicking when they chew. Unlike neck and knuckle cracking, this is more likely a medical condition than an unconscious habit. My jaw clicks very loudly when I chew most foods, and in addition to being a source of self-consciousness, it can be extremely painful. Although I take measures to mitigate the issue, it is not something I can do anything to prevent. If the coworker in question is in the same boat, they are likely already aware of the extra sound when they chew, and bringing it up would be more akin to bringing up someone's acne scarring than calling attention to spinach in their teeth. I've had two coworkers comment on my jaw clicking during my communal lunches, and both occasions were fairly embarrassing and unwelcome since they brought it up in front of other people, and in the second instance, the coworker insisted on speculating about what caused the issue until I actually left the room because they were not taking any cues that I did not want to discuss it. I know that's not at all what you were suggesting when wondering if there was any room to gently mention the jaw clicking, and the question asker is clearly more conscientious than my coworkers were on these occasions, but I do think it's worth pointing out how poorly the conversation may be received, especially in a work setting. Kudos to the question asker for her efforts to deal with this as her issue. You are making the right call. I hope you find a solution that brings some relief. Sam. Sam, we really appreciate you writing in with this first-person perspective and uh, recognizing all that you have with it, that our question asker was doing a good job, that the idea is not to embarrass someone, and to give us the perspective that as someone who deals with this, you have yet to have someone successfully talk to you about it in a way that made you feel okay. And I just, I'm liking the feedback that we have here to tell people when it comes to things that are different from like a 
knuckle crack. And it is something that's medically related. If someone tells you it's medically related, don't use that as necessarily your in to then ask them questions about that situation, what might cause it, why it might be caused this way or that way in a different person, unless the person with the condition is inviting those conversations. I found it really helpful, the analogy of uh, um, acne scarring versus broccoli on the tooth. Really great distinction This this isn't about uh, something that's easily correctable necessarily, that this is more about pointing out something that someone is probably well, well, well aware of and is something that they have learned to live with. Our next piece of feedback takes a similar tone. Hello, I just paused episode 287 to email you about the jaw clicking question. This sounds like TMJ, a medical condition I, and perhaps your listener's coworker, have that causes a clicking sound during certain jaw movements like eating. Essentially, my jaw joints don't work properly, and this can actually make things like eating a bit painful, in addition to causing that pesky clicking sound. It's embarrassing for me when I'm around other people. I try to ignore it, though perhaps I should consider addressing it head on so that more people understand the condition and why my jaw is being so noisy during a meal. I wanted to write in so that your reader could consider this possibility and understand that it may be a medical condition that their coworker cannot control. P.S. I agree with you completely on your advice to talk to the coworker about the neck cracking. That is voluntary, and it annoys me as well. <laughs> Wishing my fellow listener all the best and hoping that they are able to find a way to enjoy their lunch in peace, Stephanie. I love Stephanie's attitude with her advice. That, like, I'm, I'm wishing that you can find a way to eat in peace, but not by telling me that my jaw clicking is making it not peaceful for you because it's painful for me. I like the fact that Stephanie is considering whether or not tackling this head on when she eats with people is a better tactic than leaving it unsaid. And I think that if you're the kind of person who you feel comfortable doing that, that that's a great avenue to go. And if you're, you're not, I'm not, I don't think you should feel like you have to, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And Stephanie, I also appreciate the way you're able to take the perspective of the coworker who's wrestling with this question as well. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we are actually going to take a break from our top 10 most searched list this week and address some of the issues of social distancing etiquette. And we had a listener write in with a couple questions that we thought were actually a good springboard for the conversation. This email began, hello, I recently stumbled onto your podcast and have been enjoying it. I do have a question that has two parts that have been on my mind quite a bit. First, I work in sales for a business association, often attending large events, banquets, and networking events. Personally, I don't like shaking hands with people. I find it gross but necessary. Often when I'm eating lunch at a banquet or hors d'oeuvres at a networking event, people will extend a hand to shake, and I reluctantly shake their hand. Instead of having to run to wash my hands every time, I've gotten in the habit of not touching my food with my right hand, only eating with my left hand. Is there a better, more polite way to handle this? Secondly, at a recent meeting with an individual, I noticed he rubbed his nose with his hand quite a bit during our meeting. Toward the end of the meeting, I knew I'd have to shake his hand, and I was grossed out, 
and especially with the virus going around. Afterwards, I immediately washed my hands. If it were me, I would have used a tissue to rub my nose. What's the best way to handle this or address it? Signed, Fear of Handshakes. These are definitely interesting issues and one of the reasons why we selected them for our postscript segment and not for actual questions was because we thought they brought up kind of two two big ideas here. One is, how am I taking care of me? And the other is, how do I deal with it when other people aren't taking care of themselves the way I would take care of me? So for that first part where we're talking about the hands at a event, for one thing, we now don't have nearly as many events that we're going to where this is even going to be an option. Something to think about. But I also think it's important to recognize that what I like about what our question asker is thinking about here is in a world where I'm going to encounter a lot, what can I control for myself? And the left-right hand division is actually not a bad one. Dan brought it up recently in our just regular conversations of cousins, how are you handling the coronavirus? And said that it's something he's been doing a lot of. Dan, talk to me about how it's working for you, how you feel about using the left-right hand separation. I've been generally, and this started for me, sort of maybe a week or more ago when I had less concern, but it was starting to become more conscious of these issues of exposure to germs and how we could potentially impact each other, that I was just using my left hand when I was grocery shopping. Whenever I was touching surfaces or picking up products that I didn't know where they'd been or who else had been touching them, that was one way I would kind of protect myself. And then I'd use my right hand for unbuttoning and buttoning my jacket, doing the things that were close to me. Itching your face. (laughs) Trying not to touch my face generally, but yes. But at least then your right hand, and let me guess, your right hand is then never touching other people or other things, right? Exactly. Sort of as best I could on a trip out to do errands or something like that. But I I adopted a very similar mindset. And like you, I liked the, the practical thinking here that... There are ways that we can manage social expectations, but there are also ways we can manage ourselves and what we do that are really practical. And we've said on this show, I think, a number of times that practicality is often the heart of good etiquette and safety is oftentimes more important than etiquette. And and I think there's some good lessons there for being creative, being adaptable, and really thinking about what you're doing. For those of you who may be wondering also, because we are now in a state where we really aren't shaking hands, and Dan in particular is not shaking hands with everyone, that's why he's not so worried about using his right hand for himself. You might, in coming months, end up using your right hand to be your interaction hand and your left hand for yourself. And that's what our listener is trying to do. So I find the second part of this question much more difficult. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How do you handle other people? (laughs) Yes. Particularly someone who's doing something that you start to read as maybe dangerous, both to themselves, but also maybe to you or to the people around you, them, all of us. And what you have just brought up to me is the balance here is that 
what you think is dangerous. And there are some things right now that are dangerous, but people just aren't sure of how dangerous they are, how bad it is. They're not recognizing how often they're making other mistakes. So it might not feel like there's a lot of mistakes to be making out there. There are different levels that we find ourselves at with this. And I think that whenever I am looking at a situation where someone is doing something that either I wouldn't do for myself or that I don't want to engage with. So like that, you know, sneeze into the hand and then, you know, knowing that you're probably going to have to shake that hand in a couple minutes or that the person's going to try. And I'm going to tell myself, it's okay for me to say no right now. It's okay for me to say, actually, I'm social distancing. Actually, right now, I'm not shaking hands or I'm trying very hard not to. Quite frankly, the age that we're in and the, the severity of what we're dealing with allows people to disengage so easily. And I know that this listener wrote in a little bit before things got to the level that they have now where we're really everyone's in the zone of I understand when someone says, I don't want to shake a hand. What would you do, Dan, if the person said, oh, come on, and reached their hand out. I think you stick to your boundaries. And I think that permission to say no is so important. And you can always be firm but polite. You you don't have to accuse them. I can't believe you'd ask that of me, or you should know better, or I can't believe you don't take this seriously. The questioning of someone else's integrity or intelligence is something that's really hard to get over. Whereas essentially foregoing a a social courtesy is something that is repairable in a relationship. So you want to do the first, you want to really try to avoid that, that other sort of more, more insulting approach, but you've got to be able to set your boundaries and limits. I, I like the permission to do it in the moment. I think for sort of best practices, and this was where, this question kind of drove my thinking early on, particularly as times are, are are changing and evolving so rapidly that setting parameters for interactions right off the bat in the beginning is, I think, a really good idea. So that I ounce of that. prevention that. <laughs> being worth a pound of cure, pardon the really old uh, adage, <laughs> yeah. but that in this particular environment is sort of apt saying ahead of time when you meet someone or when you encounter someone, hi, good to see you. I'm really taking seriously this six-foot social distancing thing right now, but it's such a pleasure to see you hand over the heart, slight nod of the head, whatever yeah. is your your greeting at the moment. But setting those boundaries and those those limits that make you comfortable for interaction early on are going to be really important. It's going to be different in all kinds of different situations yep. for different people. Lizzie and I are talking a lot about people who have a lot of choice about when and how they interact. There are people that are providing essential services right now that they don't have a choice. Don't get to make those choices. And I want to tip my hat to the people that are doing that work in these climates. And it's one of the reasons we're spending so much time on these topics because they're going to come up in ways that we can't anticipate. But it's really important that we're that we're really thinking about how we handle them well. There are certainly going to be many adjustments that we make both to our own behavior and to how we 
interact with, perceive, receive other people's behavior、um, in the coming weeks and months, and it's going to be really interesting to see where it plays out. Already, Dan and I are hearing people ask us about topics like, "How am I handling a canceled wedding? How are we dealing with?" Work at home environments and teleconferencing in, and what's appropriate on a teleconference four months ago, it seems to be differently appropriate now because we're all living in the same spaces. How we handle who gets the quiet space in a home for a call or for study time or something like that. There's all kinds of stuff. We are going to have to think about and make adjustments for and be ready for. And the more that we can all. Think I can, and I will, with a positive attitude. The better we will ride this—I can't say storm because it's not a storm—but but ride this virus out together. And the more we can be better agents in our communities, helping and doing our part. So please keep your questions, comments, and particularly your feedback coming. We really count on you. You are. Seeing and experiencing so much out there, and we will all benefit from a richer, fuller conversation. So keep it up. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing what you have to say with the rest of the awesome etiquette audience. But no matter how swiftly the doctor must work, there is one thing he never disregards: hands which are free from germs. Before a doctor begins an operation. He scrubs his hands over and over, not just for seconds, but for long, careful minutes. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Tammy. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I would like to share an etiquette salute for the best neighbor I've ever had. Back in 2014, I was one of the first few buyers in a renovated older building, turned condo. The very next owner ended up being my neighbor Jill, 1L, and I won the neighbor lottery. While we didn't become super close friends, we did become great neighbors, kindly collecting each other's mail when the other traveled, cat sitting, fashion interventions. Does this top work with the skirt? And excitedly sharing the joy of our home improvements or furniture purchases, she even loaned me refrigerator space when my fridge suddenly died. When I started dating the man I eventually married, she told me how delighted she was to hear our laughter in halls and through the walls, not complaining of the noise, rather true joy in knowing I was happy. After our wedding, I sold my condo, hopefully getting her a good new neighbor. And as I was moving out, she left me a kind note detailing all these great points of our relationship, saying how much she appreciated having me for a neighbor. It was the sweetest gesture that really put a flourish on a relationship that was perfect in its simplicity, because it was built on consideration, respect, and honesty. Here's a salute to Jill and all the wonderful neighbors out there. May we meet them and may we be them. Tammy, oh crud! I did、Aww. not mean to start crying when I read it. I didn't think I was gonna blub at the first and last parts of the show. That was really lovely. As a, I don't know if it's like the single girl who lives in a house and has a neighbor who's like that, who like is connecting in me right now. But like, it it's a good. That's a good. That's a good. That is a friendship. It's a type of friendship, man. Anytime you can call on someone and say, "Is this outfit okay?" and trust the answer, that's a friendship. 
<laughs> Sorry. I won't qualify someone else's relationship. <laughs> no. no I, Dan, could you cut in so I can stop talking? <laughs> I don't want to. I love your response to this salute. I think that it it is a really sweet salute. And I sort of noted that distinction between we became really good neighbors, not the best of friends. And I sort of had a similar thought. I was like, this is a kind of friendship. And also, I think it's nice to to recognize how special... A relationship can be that doesn't necessarily need to involve whatever you call a friendship, the long phone calls into the middle of the night or something, but that that, that mutual respect, that consideration, that care for each other can really can really define a relationship, even if it's one that's got a bit of a distance to it. Tammy, thank you so much for the salute. Thank you for listening. We want to encourage everyone to be safe and healthy out there, to do your part. Remember once again to think I can and I will. We are really hoping that you and your families and your loved ones and your friends are staying safe and helping to spread the message of staying safe right now. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon now more than ever. Please connect with us, share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can reach us by phone, where you can leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. Then on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. This show could truly use your support more than ever right now, and we greatly appreciate all of our sustaining members. You can learn more by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.